Welcome to Don't Eat Your Young, a nursing podcast with your host, Beth Quas. Before we get started, we have a few quick notes. Don't Eat Your Young is a listener-supported podcast. To learn more about becoming a member and the perks available to you for becoming a patron yourself, visit patreon.com slash don't eat your young. You can learn more about the show, share your story to join Beth as a guest, or connect with our wonderful community in our Facebook group. You can find all those links and more at don'teatyouryoung.com. And now, on with the show. Today we have Nazrin Parsian. She's a holistic health professional, an academic nurse and emotional health consultant, a certified neuro-linguistic programming and hypnosis trainer, and she's been in nursing for over 25 years. Please welcome Nazrin to the show. Hello, Beth. Thank you. How are you? Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, so I am a nurse for so many years, more than 25 years. I've been a researcher, you know, an educator. I'm still an educator as a, you know, nurse academic. I'm lecturer. And also I'm a founder of Dr. Ness Inner Wellness Business for four for three years now, because previously it was another main, uh, another business. And my focus is on holistic health. And I have actually a massive journey. If I want to just talk, talk to you about my journey, it's huge. The reason that I am here as an emotional and mental health consultant and educator in my business, Dr. Ness Inner Wellness, the main reason is my whole journey through both my you know, professional life in nursing and also my personal life. Yeah, we talked a little bit about your professional life and how now um, not all disciplines can see the person as a whole. And I'd love to hear more about that because I think that is something we as nurses really do. We do look at the whole patient. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, oh, that is actually my favorite topic and uh, the, the main reason that I am here for inner wellness because I certainly believe that wellness is an inner job and uh, this is not something that you know easily uh, came up to me I, I just paid a lot of you know um, time cost and so much experiences to come to that stage and a lot of the stories can support uh, this particular result and outcome about, you know, my my business and what I'm doing, my practice now in their wellness. Can I just, you know, share with you a couple of examples? Please. So I remember the very first, uh, the very first time I felt there is something else. There is something else which is massive and needs to be considered in our health and um, wellness is the story that I experienced when I was quite a young nurse and was working as a hemodialysis nurse. And I had a patient who just, you know, came to our ward as, as an, you know, acute patient for the first time, dialysis. She was really, really, you know, unwell. During, you know, the hemodialysis, unfortunately, um, she experienced a cardiac arrest. And we called the code blue and, you know, everything was unfortunately unsuccessful. And we couldn't do anything in the golden time. And it was announced that, yeah, the person is dead. 
I don't know, for some reasons, I felt that I want to continue just, you know, you know, that, you know, we usually use AMBO and just you know, giving and uh, it, the, the, page, the patient was, you know, uh, intubated. I actually continued giving oxygen through the intubated uh, pathway. And it was quite silly because, you know, my colleague said, what are you doing? She's dead. So what, what, what are you doing? You know, it's just useless. And I just said, I don't know. I just want to continue. This is just the feeling. And I was, I think, only 20, 20, 20 year old, 21 year old girl. And I continued this for 20 minutes. And after 20 minutes, I still actually feel goosebumps when, sh- when I'm sharing this story. After 20 minutes, I saw the chest is moving. And I just, you know, screamed and said, the chest is moving. Just just call the cut blue again. And people said, oh, no, that's you. I just said, no, my hand's off. It's not me. <laughs> and I felt, you know, the breath, yes, she's breathing and we just called the code blue back and oh my god she came back to life after about half an hour that's that is quite a story that was yeah and at that time i just said okay it's not that easy that we can actually put everyone in a box human's health is massive it's complex it's that was I was quite young at that age, so I couldn't actually do something because I was inside of the system and I could follow the system. But that was actually something in my deep inside until the time that you know I found the opportunity to do some research. So when I actually when I went to the area of research in diabetes management, I did a lot of research about quality of life, the psychosocial aspects of health, psychosocial aspects of chronic illnesses. Then I did for my master's thesis quality of life in people with diabetes with under hemodialysis and the psychosocial aspect of their um, the chronic illness management in youth. So, yeah, it was a journey until 2005, yes, 2005, I have started my PhD project on spirituality and chronic illnesses. And I just said, yes, this is exactly what I want to do. <laughs> and at that time, it wasn't actually well supported to be honest <laughs> by the university or but you know eventually yes in, in the middle of my uh project everyone got so interested when they uh, when they heard about you know what i'm going to offer and and then results absolutely were received really well in quite a few international scientific conferences including um idf International Federation of Diabetes. And it was so exciting for me when I was talking about self-transformation and diabetes management scientifically, evidently, in the front of big, you know, endocrinologists and specialists, you know, in the world. And it was so exciting when they came after my speech, when they came up to me and said, 
this is so interesting topic. And did you really come with these results? And I just said, yes. Yes, absolutely. People who were self-empowered, people who were more the master of their own um, diabetes management, of their own health, and they were more spiritual in terms of the self-mastery and self-transformation, meaning, connection, all those you know, amazing stuff, they were able to manage their diabetes. Really? Much better, much better. You know, we know, you know, the criteria of diabetes management, HbA1c, is, is, a, is a specific criteria that can show the sustainable, good diabetes management. And it was amazing that after follow-up, their HbA1c, you know, level was improved. <laughs> and yeah, so it was, and my project was both quantitative and qualitative. So it wasn't only qualitative, it was actually st- statistical results with p-value, you know, significant association between X and Y. It was absolutely scientific for people who are more, you know, in the area of these stats and quantitative. Yes, it was. It was supported with stats, with numbers, and also it was supported by some qualitative information. That is fantastic work because we know as nurses that if your patients can have a lowered A1C, hopefully they're not going to get all of the other things that come along with diabetes, you know, with the neuropathies and things like that, cardiovascular disease. So how long ago did you do this research and how well are you able to get that information out there? Yeah, so my whole PhD project took, you know, about four years. The whole, you know, data collection and our data analysis for the results took about two, two and a half years with the follow-up everything. Yes. And actually the next plan was uh, just developing uh, specific guidelines or framework for health professionals to use in their practice. But unfortunately, I couldn't go for that plan because you know that research needs fund and and unfortunately, I couldn't get any fund after that to continue, uh, which is sad, which is which is something to be honest that I'm not I'm not hundred percent happy with the system because we don't get enough support for these things. Right. While they are super, super important. Yes. So I applied, you know, a couple of times for grants and, but wasn't successful. And then I gave up and I just said, okay, so what can I do with, you know, as, as one single person with the system? (laughs) So then I decided to, to start my own practice and my own private practice and just you know, establish my business to um, carry my message on to other health professionals, you know, other people in this way, because I feel every day more and more that there is something big, something really big missing in our healthcare system, especially for chronic illnesses and, and for mental health. So these two areas, sadly, are missing areas and um, and they are not. They are not really being addressed uh, 
holistically. Maybe we, we talk about holistic health a lot, Beth. Uh, you know, during my teaching, my education, we all the time talking about holistic practice, holistic health, and all the models we use in our teaching, you know, success, uh, clinical reasoning cycle, all the models, you know, we teach for nursing students, they are holistic, yes. But the question is, how is that practical in real environment? in real, you know, uh, situation. Right. That's a question. And I think maybe uh, a younger nurse just starting out is certainly going to think holistic care means something different than someone with many years of experience and even just life experience. I'm sure that um, how we treat our patients with holistic care is different throughout our careers. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, nurses uh, actually have have a specific message for nurses here because um, I certainly believe that nurses are, you know, they are the powerhouse in the healthcare system. Yes. They are. All they need is just to believe themselves. That's it. Because... um, there were a lot of situations, a lot of, uh, I'm not going actually to go through, you know, you know, I'm not going to go, you know, deep down the rabbit hole. Uh, but a lot of things are around us as nurses who might be disempowering. And my message to all nurses is you, you are. You have everything inside and you have everything in your education, in your practice, because you are the one who is closest to the patient, to the actual person. And you are the one who has in, you know, their education, most of the other disciplines about person-centered care. We actually, in every single unit, in every single subject, you know, in university, we teach about person-centered care. And I don't think that other disciplines, you know, doing that much about person-centered care. So all we need is just believe, you know, what we learn, believe, you know, in deeply, and then apply it, and then just get empowered to use that education Person-centered care is not something only in words. It's just about seeing a person as a person, not as a patient, not as a condition. Seeing a person as a whole, and the whole is a whole. It's not the separate, you know, uh, separate parts of psychology, biology. Okay, you go to see, you know, your GP for that, you know, physical problem. Okay, I have stomach pain. I need to go and see my GP. I have uh, an anxiety. I need to go and see the psychologist. Yeah, oh, that's fine that I have different disciplines, but they are not separate. And as soon as we separate, you know, as soon as we see the psychology who only and only see the mind, as you know, mind, mind that, you know, is defined in psychology. And you see the GP who only sees your body as separate from, you know, what, whatever else, it's not right. We fail. We fail if we separate this. The whole is whole. The whole 
doesn't mean that the collection of the parts, the whole means one. And this is something that nurses learn about it. And nurses are so lucky that they have this significant education in, you know, their curriculum. But I think perhaps one reason that they don't follow it, you know, in in the real practical environment is they feel possibly, you know, not um, not enough empowered and they just get melted in the system after a while. Confidence comes with experience as well. How do you incorporate that into your education when you're teaching young nurses? Oh, yes. <laughs> I definitely incorporate, you know, confidence in every single because uh, every single part of my uh, teaching and education and I constantly remind my students that you are the game changers. Don't underestimate yourself. You are the center of the healthcare system. So if you if you if you see something is wrong, just speak up. Just voice up. Just say this is wrong because of that. Because you learned about evidence based. If you have evidence, okay. I have evidence and and the evidence actually is on the move. We don't actually say that, you know, evidence is always a fixed, you know, 100% fixed fact. It's always on the move. But what I have until now, the up-to-date evidence saying this, and for that reason, this is not right. Or if I learn about, you know, ethical principles, for example, in health, we definitely need to make sure that we stick to them in our practice, yeah? If we learn about, you know, people need to be considered as a person, not as a condition, we need to apply it. We need to apply it in the practice. And when we see the patient, a person who is coming to us as a patient, we should just talk to them, you know, build a rapport with them and then ask them what is happening in the life in general. Yeah. You had a very powerful story that you told as a new nurse when you had to confront a physician about a medication dosage. Yes. Yeah. 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 And that was uh, from my own experience. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, it was actually really powerful and was a patient who got kidney transplantation, 15 days, you know, kidney transplantation. Um, she was still taking gentamicin antibiotic, which is considered toxic for a kidney if uh, it's prescribed for more than 10 days in a row. <laughs> and the kidney was quite, you know, baby kidney because she just got the kidney transplantation and it got, you know, uh, gentamicin for 15 days. And the doctor didn't know that. So, yeah, I just talked to the doctor about it and he got so angry because, uh, yeah, so the big doctor, you know, doesn't like to be criticized by a baby uh, <laughs> uh, undergradness. So, yeah, and then he got so angry and said, so just get out of the room. <laughs> and then and then straight away he changed the prescription. But yeah, but I'm just actually teaching these things to my students. And actually I shared, I shared this story a lot with my students and they're just, you know, laughing. And I just said, okay, I was actually, I wasn't mature enough, guys. So perhaps, you know, I should have 
chosen another way <laughs> to just go, but I'll teach you the best way is just go straight away to the in charge, go straight away to that and just, you know, report this in writing, report this in writing this mistake. And then, you know, it's, this is, this is the formal way that you should approach, but don't hide your perspective, your opinion. Don't scare that oh, I shouldn't say that, otherwise I'll lose my job. And I, no, just stay strong, stay empowered. And if you see something is really wrong, because we are actually dealing with humans' life, and that is super important. Yes. And I would say, you know, if you're wrong, you learn something. Yeah. But if you're right, you very well may have saved someone's life. And so, Give up the ego and talk anyway and let someone know because I think either way you you learn or you really do something good. You teach someone else. Absolutely. Yeah. And that is actually a very good point that you mentioned, Beth, because, you know, I'm just, you know, getting back again to my teaching, you know, uh, experience that a lot of time when students ask me, not a lot of time, but sometimes <laughs> uh, when students ask me a question that I really don't know, I'm really confident to say that I don't know. And, and I'm just saying, you know, always I'm saying to my students, okay, so if I'm in healthcare industry for 25 years and in teaching for 15 years, it doesn't mean that I know everything. Right. I know what I know. And learning is always, a, you know, an ongoing and constant process. And a lot of time, actually, I learn a lot of things from my students. Yes. So this openness is very important. We definitely need to be always open to learning and learning. I agree. I teach anesthesia students and I learn from them all of the time. I, I haven't worked in an ICU in a very long time and I'm always asking them questions. There's so much that has changed over the last 20 some years. And and I love that going back and forth, me sharing my knowledge, but also learning from them. It's very powerful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Well, I would love to hear more about your inner wellness business and what you do with that and who you serve. Yes, thank you. So the inner wellness business is, as you can uh, find from the name, <laughs> is focusing on inner wellness. So I'm working with uh, mostly with people who are familiar with health and wellness in some aspects, because my language is is possibly more familiar with them. However, I have had clients in general as well, just to in one uh, in my one-on-one -on -one practice. Um, I worked with people who were dealing with anxiety, stress, chronic stress, because you know stress can be some something you know good sometimes, but not definitely not the chronic stress. Chronic stress is the cause of uh, many illnesses. So yeah, I worked with uh, stress healing and anxiety and emotional health in general. A few times I worked, you know, with clients who uh, had issues with relationships, but right now I'm more, you know, um, moving to online. So I have an um, online 
coaching program for inner wellness mastery, which is focusing on six week online coaching program, which is focusing on all about inner wellness and how we can cohere the mind and heart and body all together to achieve an integrative, you know, wellness. It's more focusing on stress healing as well. I have another exciting news uh, because I am an NLP uh, trainer and also hypnosis trainer as well, because I have learned about these two modalities for so many, for quite a few years. And but believe me, they are amazing modalities as alternative modalities for our holistic health. And I'm so much advocating, you know, using these modalities in our practice when we are going to change the old habits and just to start, you know, a new, a new healthy life. So my exciting news is I have an upcoming certificate training course for heart-based NLP and hypnotherapy both in one training that I called it Heart-Centered Conscious Leadership Program. And it's going to happen uh, soon. The first one is going to happen in end of November. And I will give uh, people who are really, you know, enthusiastic to help others in terms of, you know, inner wellness coaches, nurses, nurse coaches, nutritionists, everyone who is involved with health and wellness, they welcome to explore more about heart-based NLP, which is something really new because I added heart intelligence on the top of traditional NLP and hypnotherapy practitioner certificate. And they will get the certificates and they can after, you know, graduation, they can use the certificate to practice and use these modalities. That's a great opportunity for people that want to learn something in this forum that you're going to offer and be able to start using it right away. Yes, that is actually, but these modalities were kind of, for myself, um, kind of life-changing because especially hypnosis, because you go to the deeper layers and you find out, okay, so what is there that I never, ever know about, knew about this? And you find awareness about a lot of things that you never thought about it because it's not in conscious mind, it's in subconscious. And with NLP, you can work on them when they come to the surface. It's so interesting that you can combine these two modalities to make the massive changes in your life and in your health and also to be able to help others, you know, your clients, your patients to make these changes. And and you're seeing good results. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So so myself actually I experience really, you know, life-changing and my clients also. And I had clients who the whole, you know, situation in the life changed after, you know, learning about these things. When I use, for example, hypnotherapy for a couple who were, you know, right, they actually were separated for two years and they, they were, they very bad, you know, deciding to totally break up. 
and and they came back to each other after that. It was so, and they just got you know they just got honeymoon uh, went to honeymoon again, and I just got so impressed, and I just thought, oh, that is so cute and lovely after two, and yeah, because they were able to find deeper the deeper side of uh, themselves and find out what's what's a problem. And yeah, it's not just about the relationship, even, you know, about the physical health. You may just experience myself. I experienced for some years IBS uh, and it's gone. I, exper- I experienced migraine for about 20 years and it's gone. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's so life-changing, to be honest, using these modalities. Uh, absolutely not definitely holistically. So we need to integrate other things like, for example, nutrition, exercise, all aspects. But these modalities working more powerfully with uh, beliefs, with mind with connecting to your body intelligence and your heart um, for better, you know, decision-making. So it's so much empowering to do the things that, because people might be, for example, you know, on diet for so many years, but they, they couldn't change their life because they may just go back to the loop again after because they didn't work on their beliefs. And they didn't work on, you know, the deeper layers and what is um, installed in those deeper layers. When they start working on those things and when they start using, you know, an NLP as well, when they start using NLP and heart-based NLP uh, approach to connect to their nervous system, they will get surprised they will get surprised about the results because our body is very much, very much connected to our beliefs and our nervous system, even our genes. Yes. You know, we're not going actually to go to the topic of epigenetic because that's another big topic. But we know that even our genes expressions and behaviors can be affected by our beliefs and our emotions. You are doing tremendous work, and I am so happy that you're here to talk about it today. We'll be sharing all of your um, links that w- where people can find you in the show notes, so please check out NASA's work and find her trainings where you can. Uh, what would you like to leave nurses with today before you go? What kind of tips and tricks would you like them to hear? Connect to your heart. This is, this is I think, something powerful because a lot of time we we disconnect to our emotions we disconnect to our real elevated good emotions like love compassion empowerment enthusiasm and they are all emotions that are deeply located in our heart so connect to your heart and your heart shows the way. I love that. Thank you so much, Nas, for coming on the show. We're so lucky to have you. Thank you. Um, again, check out Nas where you can find her. Follow our show notes to her links. And I appreciate you taking the time to be here today. Thank you so much. 
Thank you so much, Beth, for having me. Donut Your Young was produced in partnership with True Story FM. Engineering by Andy Nelson. Music by The Lighthearts. Find the show, show notes, and transcripts at DonutYourYoung.com. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. But the best thing you could do to support the show is to share it with a friend or colleague. Thank you for listening.